Hey guys, I'm sorry to uh, interrupt that fucking weird uh, thing that's supposed to be on where everyone's singing from their bedrooms or whatever. It really looks like a bunch of people just having independent nervous breakdowns. Kind of seems like a bummer. Kind of feels like the world's ending, honestly, watching it. It's like, you know, that all, all those benefit concerts after a big... Uh, uh, all those benefit concerts after a big disaster are reassuring because they're, you know, we know, the, oh, there's a, oh, look, there's a guy on stage. Look, it's John Mellencamp. He's singing. And now we've got these people, like, dressing up in costumes in their starkly undecorated living rooms and just singing and crying. It's just, it's disturbing. It's not good, that's for sure. It freaks me the F out. So is everybody going to uh, protest to get back to uh, the Fuddruckers or whatever the fuck, Cheesecake Factory? You know, I talked about that the other day, but I feel like I forgot to point out another thing about those protests, which is that they literally are, <coughs> they're fucking, um, they're they're funded by, like, Cokes and, like, they're made up of small business owners. I mean, it is an economically motivated thing. Like, get the business back going up. Get get things back going so I can make money again. And if I get the virus or anybody in my family gets the virus, I'll probably be alright. If somebody else gets sick, I don't know those motherfuckers. Fuck them. So it's not even like they're saying, I want to die. They want they want other people to die so that people will go to their stores. Uh. And the thing is, until these people start dying in any kind of significant numbers, they're going to keep thinking it's fake. And maybe, I mean, we'll find out either way, right? We'll find out one way or another. Invite me on Iran. I'm, I'm I'm doing my own thing. Uh, uh, no one bad is gonna die. I've said this before, and I 100% believe it. No one bad will die of this because God delights in human suffering. Uh, God might not be evil, but He loves human evil. And you can even imagine, like, say, if you're God, you create the universe, and like, especially if there is some sort of eternal afterlife for every spirit in the universe, then what any human being does in life isn't really doesn't matter, you know. You only have a few years, if you're lucky, uh, you're uh, thrown into circumstances beyond your control. Uh, like, you know, you're probably going to do more bad than good just, you know, out of, uh, out of, just because of statistical likelihood. So, if that's the case, then everyone eventually is redeemed through, you know, like being put through the rock tumbler of reincarnation or like spiritual scouring in the afterlife or whatever. Uh, either way, then, God, you're going to have a lot of fun watching humans be evil to one another. And why would you intervene to stop that? Why would you intervene to stop human evil from happening when it's so fucking funny? 
I mean, it's way funnier than people being nice. What do most movies make up? Are, are movies and entertainment and films and books, are they made up of people being good? No, because that's boring. Why wouldn't it be boring to God? So nobody good will die. Or nobody good will, uh, nobody bad will die. He doesn't want to, if you know about them and you know they're evil, then they're doing way much, The way too, it's like canceling, uh, oh boy, it's getting a little sparse. Uh, that's like canceling Sleep Sleep. That's like canceling your top show right before Sleep Sleep. Especially since things are going to get real weird real fast. Hey Connor, how you doing? Uh, things are going to get insanely weird very, very quickly. Why wouldn't you want as many evil people around as possible to just get nutty with it? I will probably be doing acid sometime in the next week, because uh, I've got it and I'm bored, but uh, not yet. I'm going to have to wait for the weather to be nice, so that's for sure. Yeah, they didn't invite me on their stream. They can fuck off. Why do I care what they're doing? The real heads are in here with me. See, this is a really interesting. This is sort of like how the, the story is about how, uh, uh, the story is about how, like, it, uh, you know, at the Politburo or whatever, they would start clapping Stalin and it would just keep going because nobody wanted to be the first one to be seen stopping. So they would just keep clapping forever. These people are all, they don't want to be the last one to stop. Because if you're the last one to stop, then what do you, what, do you not respect our first responders and our healthcare workers? Wow. Wow. Oh, God, people are singing now. Someone saw some video from Italy, and now they're getting inspired. Who's clapping their cheeks? Oh boy, he's singing uh, New York, New York by uh, Sinatra. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. It's definitely getting weird. It's only going to get weirder. slowly like taper down over the weeks but instead it's gotten more intense it's uh, like they're doubling down what they're really clapping for is that there's still supply lines what they're really clapping for is that they can still turn the lights on and there's uh and, and they still flip a switch and the light turns on and that the internet's still there and that they flush the toilet and the shit goes away that's what they're really clapping they're clapping that they don't have to go out there and try to find their own food because none of them would be able to and I include myself in that number they're clapping that they're still the TV still works you know what I mean and the thing is that's worth clapping about because the alternative is not something you want to think about too much if you're this vulnerable if you're this far from any self-sustaining lifestyle
any more questions here. Uh, prediction for Biden cabinet. Uh, I'd say Klobuchar is probably the clubhouse leader to be VP. Uh, because I really do think that they believe that shit. Like, oh, uh, she's from the Midwest. They'll like her then. We didn't lose. We lost the Midwest, so we need one of them. Uh, which, of course, ignores the fact that the Midwest is America's Balkans, and all of them hate each other over very, very small disagreements and differences, both, mostly around sports teams. Uh, Wisconsinites hate Minnesota uh, and have no interest in their fucking uh, their political figures. And, uh, in fact, if you, someone's from Minnesota, will probably say the other thing, uh, honestly, just uh, out of spite. Uh, we hate people from Illinois as well. Michiganders, of course, hate people from Ohio and vice versa. Everyone hates Indiana. Everyone. And for good reason. Uh, there's no there's no solidarity there at the state le- beyond the state level. So she uh, she's all she's going to do is help you win a state. You already won last time with Hillary by slightly more. Congratulations, morons. How am I supposed to get sun exactly? How's that supposed to work, you fucking dickheads? But too cold, too. When it gets warm, I'll just be back here baking my brain probably after the time. That's been too fucking cold. Which state is the worst? Iowa's in, oh, uh, Indiana is in the running. Uh, Indiana is like, basically has no redeeming features to it. And uh, the funny thing is, is Amber, for example, who lived, grew up there, would agree with me. Uh, no, there is no question about that. Uh, Wisconsin, I, I honestly feel like since, since Walker got in, Wisconsin might have been doomed. Wisconsin might have been ruined. Root, as I say in the Dark Tower series. And I have to say that Minnesota, as much as I hate it and have a visceral hatred for my childhood uh, for it, and because it, uh, I resent their hegemonic Lutheranism, not spiced in with any fun uh, 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 party Bavarians and, and Irish or Polacks, um, but God damn it, they're doing better. So I gotta have to, I put Minnesota above Wisconsin, as much as I hate to say it. But those two, and then a big drop off. Minnesota has the Coens, but Wisconsin has Orson Welles. And who, pray tell, uh, is the uh, is the Minnesota Liberace? Prince? I don't want the Rona, man. Someone's telling me not to get it? Buddy, who are you talking to? I've not been licking light bulbs. Light bulbs. I've been trying to avoid it. There's a chance I had an asymptomatic case earlier this year because we were in we were in California during the out, height of the outbreak and we're almost positive Will had it after the end of the the tour and we were together that whole same time. Very hard to imagine that we didn't both get it. 
So I could be a lucky asymptomatic guy. But I'm not going to find out like by randomly getting uh, getting nutty with it. Perish the thought. Uh. Alright guys. Before I, I'm going to do some more questions. Uh, well, some more questions. I'm going to look in here what we got. But first I'm going to do another reading from uh, Blood Meridian. This uh, I was inspired to read this by uh, David uh, David Brooks, who told us uh, the other day that the age of coddling is over, that all of you well coddled, swaddled millennial children are finally going to be have to confront reality and all of its horrors with all of its sharp fangs and and teeth and claws, which of course coming from a absolutely soft boiled egg of a man, a fucking vanilla souffle with a comb over a man who's never had to work a day in his life at any meaningful job a man who has never produced a man who has never worked by the sweat of his brow for a moment a man who is wildly overcompensated to flatter the uh, the, the egos of uh, the wealthiest people in this country he's essentially a court jester for concentrated wealth that's all he is Someone who would die in the fucking woods if they were left there overnight. And just the thought that he is our, like, com or he is our Judge uh, Holden was very humorous to me. So just imagine uh, David Brooks is saying this instead of the judge. In fact, maybe I'll remember to say that instead. They grew gaunted and lank under the white suns of those days, and their hollow, burnout eyes were the, like those of non-ambulance, non surprised by day. Knocked ambulance. Ah, oh, fuck, let me try to <clears throat> Try again. They grew gaunted and lank under the white suns of those days, and their hollow, burned-out eyes were like those of knock ambulance, surprised by day. Crouched under their hats, they seemed fugitives on some grander scale, like beings of whom this, uh, for whom the sun hungered. Even David Brooks grew silent and speculative. He'd spoken of purging oneself of those things that lay claim to a man, but the body receiving his remarks counted themselves well done with any claims at all. They rode on, and the wind drove the fine gray dust before them, and they rode an army of gray beards, gray men, gray horses. The mountains to the north lay sunwise in corrugated folds, and the days were cool, and the nights were cold, and they sat about the fire, each in his round of darkness in that round of dark, while the idiot watched from his cage at the edge of the light. David Brooks cracked with the back of an axe the shinbone of an antelope, and the hot marrow dripped smoking on the stones. They watched him. The subject was war. The good book says that he lives by the sword shall perish by the sword, said the black. David Brooks smiled, his face shining with grease. What right man would have it any other way, he said. The good book does indeed count war, war and evil, said Irving. Yet, there's many a bloody tale of war inside it. It makes no difference what men think of war, said David Brooks. War endures. As well ask men what they think of stone. War was always there. Before man, war waited for him. The ultimate trade awaiting its ultimate practitioner. That is the way it was and will be. That way and not some other way. He turned to Brown, from whom he'd heard some whispered slur or demurrer. Ah, Davy, he said. It's your own trade we honor here. Why not rather take a small bow? Let each acknowledge each. My trade? Certainly. What is my trade? 
War. War is your trade, is it not? And ain't it yours? Mine too, very much so. What about all them notebooks and bones and stuff? All other trades are contained in that of war. Is that why war endures? No, it endures because young men love it, and old men love it in them. Those that fought, those that did not. That's your notion. David Brooks smiled. Men are born for games, nothing else. Every child knows that play is nobler than work. He knows, too, that the worth or merit of a game is not inherent in the game itself, but rather in the value of that which is put at hazard. Games of chance require a wager to have any meaning at all. Games of sport involve the skill and the strength of the opponents, and the humiliation of defeat and the pride of victory are in themselves sufficient stake because they inherit the worth of the principles and define them. But trial of chance or trial of worth, all games aspire to the condition of war. For here that which is wagered swallows up game, player, all. Suppose two men at cards with nothing to wager save their lives. Who has not heard such a tale? A turn of the card. The whole universe for such a player has labored clanking to this moment, which will tell if he is to die, or that man's hand, or that man and his. What more certain validation of a man's worth could there be? This enhancement of the game to its ultimate state admits no argument concerning the notion of fate. The selection of one man over another is a preference absolute and irrevocable, and it is a dull man indeed who can reckon so profound a decision without agency or significance either one. In such games as have for their stake the annihilation of the defeated, the decisions are quite clear. This man holding this particular arrangement of cards in his hand is thereby removed from existence. This is the nature of war, whose stake is at once the game and the authority and the justification. Seen so, war is the truest form of divination. It is the testing of one's will and the will of another within that larger will, which, because it binds them, is therefore forced to select. War is the ultimate game because war is at last the forcing of the unity of existence. War is God. Brown studied the judge. You're crazy, Holden. Crazy at last. David Brooks smiled. Damn, I hadn't read that in a while. That's pretty good. McCarthy's pretty good. You gotta give it to him. It's a bummer he'll never get the Nobel. Once they gave it to Dylan, there was no way it was going to go to another white male American uh, in the next, like, 30 years. Yep. Yep. There's a real powerful point there where he says work will never be as noble as play. And what that really gets at is the notion of human labor and activity put to one's own end or to the ends of an employer. Like alienated labor and free existence. Like that is like one of those like end stage Marxist concepts that you don't hear a lot of talk about because it's very speculative and metaphysical almost. But there really is a notion in Marxism that once you have removed uh, the need to uh, exploit labor away from one's own ends uh, to maintain life like through the socialization of the means of production and, and the sharing of the surplus of result of that, that anything you do is not like any anything you've ever done. It's not like anything we do, because everything we do is induced, induced by coercion. 
And that induced coercion poisons every action we take and alienates us from them and slowly poisons us against them. And the, Marx, the, the, the end state of Marxism is one in which that does, is replaced by pure action devoid of coercion, purely self-expression. And the closest thing we do have in life to that is play, is games, where we are, are doing it of our own free will. And within the game's rules, we are able to thrive and do what we want and do something to try to achieve victory. Like, that is really the, the, the goal. The goal of, of, of communism is to make that the uh, rule rather than the very, very rare exception to human life. So there you go. Drop some theory on you guys. Boom. Didn't mean to do that. Didn't mean to drop uh, game, uh, theory on you guys. I should have said more about that with the debate with Virgil, honestly. Because gaming culture really does poison something that really should be powerful. Like the idea of, of play and games is like the end state, the most noble state. And you could argue that a lot of these neat gamers have achieved something similar to that. In that they are gaming with their time. And they're not induced to do so because they live off their parents. <coughs> but it's a cruel parody of it because it's bound up in exploitation and it makes it impossible to game, basically. This, this simulacra of gaming, this cruel mockery of gaming, gives us only a, a, a taunting uh, uh, wisp of what could be gaming uh, and only instead reifies exploitation within the industry and the creation of the commodity form. Gaming is commodity. So there you go. Boom. Theory. Putting up some theory time for the regular big living. Uh. All right, let's see what questions we got. Ooh, these are some good ones. Uh... I'm just going to say this. Somebody says, who's the funniest person to die of the virus? Obviously Trump. The funniest answer, the answer to anything of like, who's the funniest is Trump. Which is why it might happen. Scrawling like a hoe bag here. I can't find anything. This is an interesting one. Uh, if the U.S. loses power in the world, would another country step in and do the same? Uh, that's a really interesting question, because I honestly don't know if it's possible. And it really does make me feel like a lot of the, uh, I feel like a lot of the, uh... That's what happens when you try to make friendship. Oh, 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 shit. Uh, shit, I forgot what I was saying. Alright, um, so right now we have a situation where, um... The U.S. is like long-term strategic posture is all about uh, uh, defending, keeping America's preeminent in, interests preeminent, basically, like making America's interest interests of world institutions, right? Like that's the long-term goal, and that's what like the containing China is for and all that stuff. But the U.S. fills such a unique role militarily that I don't know if anyone has the capacity to take it back, like. We talk about the Chinese military. The Chinese military 
even though it might have more people than us in it, it might have like a larger number of troops, in terms of its like weapon systems and shit, it's a fucking fraction. We have 11 aircraft carriers. We have 11 aircraft carriers. I think China has two. I gotta check. I think China has China has two. I was right. We have and we and we run the currency. And the thing is, is that China isn't in a position to to be us because 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 being being obviously there's some there's huge benefits to being um, uh, like the world currency, like the U.S. is. But one thing that it makes the U.S. is it makes it the consumer of last resort. If you're the reserve currency, at the end of the day, it's up to you to consume everything. Like, the, the runoff from everyone's, like, uh, bilateral uh, interactions, like trade interactions. And the thing is, is that uh, what that does over time is, is it undermines America's, uh, like, internal uh, chain of, uh, uh, internal uh, viability as, like, a producer. Like, that's why we had deindustrialization. <coughs> That's one of the big reasons we had deindustrialization. Because, um, uh, it's because we had to be the consumer of last resort. We needed to, we were going to trade jobs for cheapness. Because once, because you can only maintain, like, the story, like, the story of every country that has, like, become a developed economy starts with protectionism. Right? Like, everyone agrees with that, but now you have economists who say, like, well, yeah, maybe that's, that was true then, but now it isn't. And so new countries don't get to do that, uh, and, and, and countries that do do it should really stop. But as soon as you get rid of that protectionism, and you're the fucking buyer of last resort, <clears throat> that's the end of your fucking ability. I mean, that's why we're so horribly exposed now, because so much stuff doesn't even come out of here. Stuff, stuff doesn't get built here. Because that's not what we're here for. We're here to consume it. We're not here to make it. Um, and that is, uh, in the long term, bad. So, whatever. Anyway, uh, it, but what it's left us with is this massive military that still has to take a role. And, like, I think the worst thing, maybe worst, is that, like, China basically joins in and gets to co-decide this shit. Like, instead of the U.S. dictating, China gets to, like, co-dictate, and maybe even with America's like, America maintaining the figurehead position, something like that, but with China, like, a place at the table. I think that's more realistic, because they don't want the job that we have. No, they wouldn't want to have to blow that much of their GDP on fucking useless trinkets like we do. They like to just use ours, like the Saudis do. So we're still going to have a role, it's just we're, we're going to be less, uh, less central to the decision-making process. So, there you go. That's what I think would happen. It would be more like a unipolar thing. And like guys like uh, Matt Stoller are terrified of the Chinese taking over, but like, I'm sorry, the, the interests are trans, their interests are the interests of their ruling elite in both countries. Those interests are intersecting, regardless of anything you have to say about 
nation states and like how we need a new cold war or any of this bullshit the interests of those two groups are constant they're coming together you see the way that like the peter Thiels of the world are uniting like chinese style uh, uh social media uh surveillance mechanisms uh, uh bringing them to the u.s even though they're supposed to be uh, libertarians because they know maintaining private property is going to be, require more and more uh, uh coercive measures against the population to keep them from trying to take their shit because they're going to have all of it and there's going to be some point where people realize there's more of us than there are of them and that's why these libertarians need these very coercive state institutions and technologies to keep them away from it and that's that's true whether you're a high uh, you're a bigwig in the chinese communist party or you're fucking one of the Koch brothers or you're robert mercer or you're the fucking queen of england it's all the same fucking interests all the same interests, homeboys and girls. Oh, hell yeah. Feeling it tonight, guys. I might put this one on, uh, on YouTube. People are watching these on YouTube. I see that. I'm really excited. I gotta say, I love it. Big fan. Uh... My hair is looking really, really... I'm fucking looking like uh, old Gary Oldman as Dracula. Just fucking egghead. Absolute egghead. What a freak. Oh, boy. Uh, so get this, guys. I was joking about how I was starting to think about shaving my head just out of, uh, out of uh, quarantine boredom. Uh, and the thing is, is that I didn't realize that I had had a hair, home haircutting kit, like, you know, for cutting it yourself, because it's more, I just hate having to go to the hair cuttery. Uh, and I, it's like, oh man, I'm just going to shave my head. But then I realized, oh no, I, uh, I lost it in the move from the last place to this place. Damn. Oh, well, I guess I won't shave my head. And then while we were rearranging stuff in this house, we found a box from somebody from like before we lived here where it had been like misdelivered and this is like years later and it opened it and it was a fucking home uh clipper that's kid that's ka man i i mean i am on the wheel of ka uh i i must uh all things serve the bean so i think at some point i'm gonna get i'm gonna get zooted and i'm going to shave my head so steer ready for that very disturbing and I guarantee you unpleasant sight. But I can already kind of see what it would look like and it looks like shit. Ugh, it looks bad. I'm going to have to get a hat at the same time that I do it because I'm going to need a backup plan. Not good, folks. How you guys living? How's everybody doing? Uh, is Trump the last U.S. president? At this point, I would say maybe there's a 10 to 15 percent chance that yes, that's the case. If I was Nate Silva, uh, we got some real centrifugal forces operating right now uh, that look like they could genuinely destabilize a lot of long-standing institutions that might be a lot more brittle than we think they are. 
because uh, they were never meant to see this kind of stress. Uh, I see compounding crises. I feel the likelihood of a military takeover uh, being realistic, and the, the idea of that creating fracture uh, in opposition to it. You're sort of a late medieval, you know, like crisis of the third century type deal. I don't think it's outside the realms. The question then becomes, like, do we have a Diocletian? Does Diocletian show up? Or does it just spin out into nothing? Much to ponder. Much to consider. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, man. <laughs> After talking about that, somebody wants to know, what about the argument about voting blue for the Supreme Court? That's just adorable. That people think those are the stakes of the moment. Are, are we going to lose 5-4 or 6-3? Oh, God. Are they going to close the one uh, uh, abortion clinic still open in the, in, below the Mason-Dixon line? Oh, my God. This is like... These are the questions of the moment. Not will our fucking systems be able to sustain the pressure under that they're under right now. And whether there's any alternative we could proffer to just uh, 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 terminal decline. Which is not outside the possibility. It's happened before. Plenty of secure societies that thought they had the world by the balls found themselves very quickly disabused of that fucking notion. It just feels impossible because everything has felt so static our whole lives. And honestly, this feels like this feels like uh, it's like one of those movies where the kid has nightmares about like zombies or something, and he keeps being, he keeps waking up and be like, "Oh God, I thought that was real. It was a dream." And then finally, the dream is real. That's what this feels like. This feels like we're bringing it to, to we we brought this out upon ourselves with our own. Uh, we made a collective death wish out of hitting like the cul-de-sac of human possibility. Like we topped out at like Nietzsche's last man. It's like we weren't going to escape velocity. Whatever version of humanity, there's going to be others, others on this planet, others on other planets, in other dimensions. There will be others that get it right. But we fucked the dog. We topped out at like Nietzsche's last man. Didn't get beyond that. And then spiritually... Uh, and uh, destroyed ourselves and uh, destroyed our environment. Uh, then, oh well, there you go. Maybe that, maybe, maybe, hey, then we gave it our shot, right? We tried. We tried. But either way, I don't think the Supreme Court seat is going to be decisive. Uh, so it's possible that this is the last, he is the last president, yes, it's possible. The last recognized president. They'll probably be presidents, but they won't be, it'll be like popes and anti-popes, and it won't be until way later that any of them get officially designated as having been official. There will be no universally recognized president after Trump. It's a real possibility, because I could see them canceling the election in November. I could see the military stepping in. If that happens, I could see, I could see a disputed ballot. I could see... Trump dying. I could see a lot of stuff. I could see Biden dying. I could see a lot of things. The one thing I just want is give me a debate. I want to watch a debate. I want to see the debate. I'm not going to get too cocky and say give me the son's debate because I'm not, none of us could ever deserve that in this life. It's too perfect. That's too much of a gift. I mean, my God. Oh. Uh, but 
Just give me a regular debate. A couple of them. Just the old timers dodging around on stage. Both of them absolutely like zooted to the gills. Like Trump obviously of like a first baseline's worth of Adderall before going up there like he does during all the debates. And I don't know what voodoo cocktail they've got out Biden on. Some sort of like medieval poultice that they shove up his ass or like something like some sort of like uh, candy flip like psychedelic thing that activated his like MK Ultra conditioning so he could like be turned into a, like a perfect wind up doll. I don't know. Either way, let me see it. Let me see it. Yeah, doesn't it look like I literally am being enlightened? Like, don't you guys just feel the enlightenment vibrating and wafting off? <laughs> Yeah, they come out with both of them with the adrenaline needle from Pulp Fiction just sticking out of their chests. They don't even notice it the whole debate. But sadly, there probably won't be a debate. Because this is a dark timeline. Not necessarily the darkest, but one of the darker ones. One of the darker toast settings, that's for sure. Oh boy. Definitely like on the bottom half of the toast setting dial. You know? You know what I mean. I generally like it a little lighter than that, personally. This is a little too carbony. I'm not a fan. I like to just click, 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 give me just a few more. A little, little a hair. A hair a little like golden brown. Oh boy. Alright, let's see what else we got. All right, here's a good one following up a previous question. If the U.S. ever gets balkanized, which region would you want to live in and why? Okay. Well, there are strategic and political considerations to go into here. Um, California looks very promising to a lot of people because it looks like they have effective governance. It looks like they have a guy who's, even if you think he's a creep or Patrick Bateman wannabe, he's competent. Uh, they have, like, sane uh, uh, par political party in charge. They have systems that generally work. They have, like, they have very similar governments in power in the areas nearby them, so they don't have to worry about hostility for them. In fact, they could join into a Cascadia-type deal with, uh, with Washington and Oregon. But then you think things like, well, where's the water? Where are you getting the water from? They're very vulnerable on that score. Uh, especially Southern California. Uh, and then you got the fact that the people who are going to want that water are going to be the heavily armed psychos of Arizona. They're going to need that water too. And they're going to be in probably a stronger defense posture than the California militia, if my Kurt Schlichter uh, uh, reading is correct. Anyway, that could be bad. The Midwest, it's going to balkanize instantly because, as I said, it's the Balkans of America. Ugh. I could see somewhere around the Great Lakes, because there you got water, and there are things that are not totally crazy. I kind of hate to say, like, where I grew up. The problem is, is that Wisconsin would immediately devolve into a race war. Uh, there would be a genocidal race war in Wisconsin that would be genuinely horrifying, and I would not want to have, I would not want to involve myself in. I would not want to go there to kill uh, pe black people, which is what would happen uh, in Wisconsin. So that's not good. I think maybe... Once again, maybe Minnesota. Maybe Minnesota, shit. Because they, the they got the Mississippi, even if they don't have the lake. And they do have a lake up top, so. All right, Minnesota again. Damn, it's, it's, 
Minnesota might just be the best country or the best state. And God damn it, yeah, maybe make Felix the the imperator. If we could get Felix as like one of the tetrarchs in this new crisis of the third century, I'd be happy to. I would be happy to t- till the the uh, the. Uh, Till the fields in his domain, absolutely. I, he would have my axe. Uh, I, he, I, he would have my sword. I would be his vassal. Hopefully, I could get like a nice fiefdom out of it, a little fiefdom ass. Like maybe in the north woods of Wisconsin, which is really cool. Just a little fiefdom where I get you know, somebody like you know the local peasants. They bring me you know a game boy. Uh, they bring me maybe you know just like some pizzas, a certain number of like big wheels of cheese. Uh, smoked hams, that kind of shit, old timey, you know, just like a little feudal lord guy. Just let me do that, please, Felix. That's all. And then yes, if I have to go to war, we have to go to war with Wisconsin or fend off uh, Canadians. Uh, then yes, we will uh, have to join your militia, of course, and, and provide uh, homage in the form of uh, combat as knights. Certainly, I would never pick the Northeast in any way. Good Lord. Nightmare region. Awful. Just the instant die-off would be terrifying. Oh, I don't even like thinking about it. We love our feudal lords, don't we, folks? We love to be the, We love to be serfs. We love to work at the Olive Garden and then give the money to the boss. They love it. They love it. They love working at the Olive Garden that I own. Dead ass. Dead ass indeed. Dead ass. Will I be doing these rants live at the FEMA camp? I certainly hope so. Uh, Presumably, if these guys are smart, uh, uh, if these guys are smart, uh, they're going to give you like a room for fake dissent so that you can be mollified, which is always a, a. Like, that's what the Chinese need to learn. From us, and they will. When this cooperation happens, it's going to bend both ways. Like, we're going to get more authoritarian, but the Chinese are going to loosen up because they're going to see firsthand as they cooperate with us. Oh my god. This First Amendment shit? Like, letting them talk, vent on the internet and, like, complain about you and make up conspiracies and shit? It, it, it poses no threat. It's a, it's a total. It, it's a steam vent for all of their uh, anger. It all gets pissed away into nothing. And then they start bur- building little. Uh, totally arbitrary uh, uh, factions and start fighting each other and then they don't even notice you're there. It's the best. And that's going to be the final resolution of that dialectic. It's going to be like Sino-American corporatism. So that's my prediction. Sino-American corporatism. Brought to you by Amazon and Alibaba. Alright guys, I thought that was pretty good. Uh, I think I'm going to get uh, Chris to put this one up because uh, this was fun. I feel like we got some, some interesting metaphysical questions and stuff we don't always get it onto in these. I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling vital. I'm feeling vital. I kind of want to write now. Why don't I write something? Uh, but thank you guys for uh, hanging out with me. I might hang out for a little bit more. The food's not ready. Grabbing fried chicken. It smells delicious. All right, guys, sleep well. Uh, get ready uh, to uh, work labor uh, on, for the glory of the American Republic 
uh, and the uh, Chinese Communist Party for which it stands. Bye-bye.